Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is John 13, 1-20. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk. So if you have children, make sure they're listening. And then we'll go to the sermon. So let's hear the reading from John 13, 1 to 20. John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If then... If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all you, of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Okay, hello everyone. Now we are back 
in the Gospel of John. I wonder if you can remember what John is all about. John wants us to know and believe Jesus is King. Can you remember that? Jesus wants us to know and believe Jesus is King. Well done. Now, I've got a friend here. His name is Gerald. He's Gerald, and at school, he's not on holidays like some of you are, at school, he is in a play. And Gerald gets to be king. He's the king in this play. Does that sound like it would be a a pretty good thing, a pretty great role? You want to be king? Pretty great. And he's decided, all right, I want to know what it's like to be king. What does a king do? And so he thought, well, kings have people bow down to them. Do any of you think that you can bow? Do you know how to bow? Ellie, why don't you stand up and you give Gerald a bow? Oh, that was pretty good. Although I wonder if you should have done a curtsy. Ooh, that was, that was very good. Well done. Now, kings are also very used to people doing what they say. So let's see. What does Gerald want? Hmm. He wants children to be active. Can you jump up and down three times? Up. Good. Excellent. Down. Oh, that was good obedience. Well done. Hmm. Is there anything else that he wants? Hmm. Maybe he... Oh, well done, Flick. Maybe he just wants a great big salute from everyone. Can everyone give Gerald a salute? Can you salute... Well done. Yes. Kings are very used to getting exactly what they want all the time. People doing everything that they want, just sort of sitting back, not doing too much. Ah, oh, relaxing. Look, he's just hanging out. Hmm. But then, Gerald went to church one day. And do you know what happened at church? They read the passage that we just read. They read John 13, verses 1 to 20, and he saw a different kind of king. He saw a king who loves and serves. And Gerald thought, wait a second. Kings are served by others. Kings aren't supposed to serve. But no. Gerald read about Jesus. And do you remember what John wants us to know about Jesus? He wants us to know and believe Jesus is king. And what did Jesus do? Jesus the king do in this passage? He washed his disciples' feet. Oh, gee, Hannah's feet are very dirty. Got to wash those feet really well. Oh, yeah, Ellie's there, terrible. Oh, no. So many feet that need washing. Gerald read about a king 
who serves, who loves others and who serves. And he also read that this king said that all of his followers are to do what he does. Okay, All of the people who believe in Jesus are to love and serve others. That's pretty tricky, isn't it? Do you like serving others? No. No. You know, we want others to serve us, don't we? We want them to do what we want to do. But Jesus says if we're going to follow him, we need to love others. We need to serve them. Now, for you guys, I wonder what that looks like. Hmm, maybe that means doing what your parents say the first time. Hmm, not having them need to ask you a second time to do something. Maybe it means being kind to your brother or your sister, not speaking mean words, playing the game that they want to play. There's lots of ways that you can love other people. Okay, There's lots of ways that you can be like Jesus, loving and serving other people. So keep having a think about how you could do that, even today. John wants us to, can you say it with me? He wants us to know and believe Jesus is king. And if our king loves then we should love too. Okay? Let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you that he has loved us. He loved his disciples by washing their feet. He has loved us by going to the cross. So help us to love him and to love others. Help us to be people who serve. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's come and pray. Pray that God would help us to hear his word and to believe. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, as we come this morning to your word, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to believe. May we delight in what you say. May we delight in what our Lord Jesus has done. And may we be filled with your spirit that we would follow in his steps. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the Disney version of Snow White, the evil queen gave Snow White a poisoned apple. And for all intents and purposes, Snow White was dead. The seven dwarves placed her in this incredible gold uh, glass cask- uh, casket. But when the prince came and kissed her because of his great love for her, she was revived and we see them riding away into the sunset. Our world loves love. Think of Romeo and Juliet, a teenage couple who fell in love and then killed themselves after a couple of days because they thought that they couldn't be together. Every album that Taylor Swift releases is filled with songs about love and relationships which don't work out. 
And it's not just romantic love that we love. There are other examples, examples of brotherly love and, and other family love, friendship love throughout our literature, our movies. But though we love love, we struggle to understand love. In the 80s, foreigners sang, I want to know what love is. During the plebiscite on so-called same-sex marriage, we heard that slogan, Love is love. Our world is confused about love. And so where can we look to understand love? What does love look like? Do we need to go to Dr. Phil to understand love? The latest self-help book. We need help because most of the examples of love that we see in our world leave us dissatisfied. It doesn't feel like real love. It feels selfish and shallow. In John 13, 1-20, we have our answers. Remember, John is calling us to know and believe Jesus is king. And here he shows us what kind of a king he is. He's the king who loves his people. And what makes this story all the more powerful is that this is no fairy tale. This is real. As we look to Jesus, the call from this fascinating event is simple. Love like Jesus. And so we come to our passage where we see Jesus love his disciples. And in verses 1 to 11, we see our first heading. Jesus washes his disciples. That's our first heading. Have a look there at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. See, Jesus knows his time is short. Looking at the timing of this event and comparing it to the other Gospels, it looks as though this happened the night before the Last Supper, meaning that Jesus has one more day before he's betrayed, arrested, put on trial, and then that following day, killed. What would you do if you knew that you only had a couple of days to live? What's on your bucket list? Is there some kind of food that you would try? Some place that you would go? Is there a confrontation that you'd have with someone? Is there an adventure that you would want to experience? Jesus, as is normal for him, puts away all thought for himself all thoughts of his desires, his comforts, and instead he loves his disciples to the end. That word end here probably means both he loved them to the end of his life, but also that he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them to the extreme. I wonder if loving the people around you has made your bucket list. Just an interesting thought. What makes this story even more incredible is verses 3 to 4. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. 
He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then in verse 5, he starts to wash his disciples' feet. See, he hadn't forgotten. He's God the Son. He's worshipped by the angels. He created this world. He has always existed in perfect relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He knew who he was. He knew the authority that he had. And he knew that he was going to die on that cross. He would suffer that torment both in his body and in his spirit. John wants us to know and believe Jesus is king. And what a king he is. He didn't demand worship. He didn't sit in luxury while everyone waited on him hand and foot. He got up and he served. In Mark 10.45, after the disciples had argued with one another about which one of them was the greatest... Jesus had said, the Son of Man himself, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And not only does he serve, he washes their feet. There were some at that time who thought that this was too demeaning for even Jewish slaves to do. It should instead be reserved for Gentile slaves or for women and children. Maybe, maybe a disciple would wash their master's feet, their teacher's feet. But the disciple would never wash another disciple's feet. You'd never do this for a peer, let alone someone who was beneath you. Imagine the shocked silence as Jesus bends down to the first disciple as Jesus wets his feet and dries them and then moves on to the next. Until finally he reaches Peter, Peter who's all gung-ho, you shall never wash my feet. He wants to preserve Jesus' dignity. He loves Jesus, but he doesn't understand He doesn't understand yet what Jesus came to do. He doesn't understand uh, where Jesus will be in two days' time. And see there what Jesus says in verse 8. If Peter isn't washed by Jesus, he has no share with him. And so again, Peter hears this and he goes, the whole hog, he's so in love with Jesus, he says that he wants everything washed. But Jesus says, no, no, that's not needed. If you've bathed, you only need your feet to be washed. Now, Jesus' reaction is a bit strong, isn't it? If Peter doesn't let Jesus wash his feet, well, then Peter has nothing to do with him. If this was only about physical feet, then yes, that would seem strange. But all through John's Gospel, Jesus has made statements that people haven't understood because Jesus was speaking about spiritual realities. See, there's a spiritual meaning here. To be with Jesus, you come on his terms. You lay aside every claim to self-sufficiency. 
you recognize that you can't do it. You are not good enough for him. You're not clean enough. Every sin that you have committed has piled on more and more dirt, making you filthy. You can't clean yourself. A friend of mine was playing footy one day and the ground was mud. He was completely covered. If this mud got in his eyes or in his mouth, there was no way for him to wipe it away. His hands were as dirty as everything else. He needed someone else to come and wash him, to clean him. You can't clean yourself by your good deeds. Coming to church won't do it. Giving generously to church or to charity isn't enough. Providing for your family, turning over a new leaf, reading the Bible, being politically active, helping someone cross the street, none of those will get you clean. You need Jesus. First, you need Jesus to wash you. If you haven't come to Jesus in faith, giving your life over to him, you, you, need to, you need him to completely wash you. It needs to be like Peter suggested. You need him to not only wash your feet, but your, your head and your hands. Jesus served his disciples by washing their feet. That incredible, self-sacrificial, humble service was pointing forward to the cross when the Son of Man would humble himself even more, he'd allow the soldiers to take him and to nail his hands and feet to the cross. All this after he had already been beaten, mocked, lied about, whipped, humiliated. He would hang there, innocent, but treated as though he was guilty, serving sinners like you and like me. There on the cross, he took the punishment sinners deserve. If you want Jesus to wash you clean of your sin, you need to trust him. Accept the forgiveness that he offers at the cross because there is no other way. Only then will you be cleansed. And then, like the disciples, you need to submit to Jesus washing your feet. For those of us who have already been washed head to toe by Jesus' blood, we still rely on him. Trusting in Jesus is not a one-time deal that we did way back then when we first became a Christian. Because even when we've been washed clean, we still manage to walk around in the muck of life. When we come to Jesus, we are not perfected yet. We still sin. Every day we need forgiveness. And that is why every time we meet as a church, we confess our sin. We need forgiveness. See, in the Christian life, we never move past needing Jesus. Jesus is our God and he's our saviour and he is always serving us, always washing us. If we're to love like Jesus, we need to see first what he has done for us. Jesus washes his disciples. He washes us who believe. As we start a new year, let's 
rub that thought into the depths of our being. Let's marinate in that truth. Jesus washes his disciples by his blood, cleansing us of our sin. What a saviour. What love. Jesus washes his disciples. And in our second heading, verses 12 to 20, Jesus left an example. And it's by following his example that we can love like Jesus. A mentor of mine tells a story of when he was a graduate accountant at a large accounting firm in Australia. My my mentor was in a room with other graduate accountants who were working on some project, and the CEO of that company walked into the room. And this CEO of the big company starts taking coffee orders and starts making coffee for these graduate accountants. And my mentor, this graduate accountant, is stunned, amazed that someone so important would do something so humble for so lowly a group of people. No one would have batted an eyelid if this CEO had told one of the graduates to go get him a coffee. But no, he made the coffee for everyone else. That was humble service. Just a small taste, but it was humble service. Loving like Jesus. Look at what Jesus says there in verses 13 to 14. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. See, we often want to protect our dignity. There are jobs which we think are below us. I bet the workers at Macca's or KFC don't really enjoy cleaning the toilets, cleaning up after everyone else. There are spills in retail that I'm betting those workers don't want to clean. There are jobs parents get sick of doing, cleaning their children time and again. We wish someone else would do it. Maybe we notice that something needs to happen, but we wait to see if someone else is going to do it before we jump up, ready to help. But Jesus left an example. Even though everyone in that room and everyone in his society, his culture, everyone would say that him washing his disciples' feet was beneath him, he did it. And if Jesus so humbled himself, How could we think that we're above any job, any task? Think again about who Jesus is. As you read through John's Gospel, you you discover that he is eternal. He's the maker of everything that has been made. He'll bring in the kingdom of God. He gives life. He raises the dead. He gives light. He satisfies our thirst. He has all authority. He is one with the Father and he has the words of eternal life. He is the good shepherd. He is mighty in power who came from heaven and he is the great I am. And this Jesus took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around himself, and washed his disciples' feet. 
How can we imagine that there is any task which is beneath us? Are we greater than Jesus? Do we have the right to hold ourselves back from service when he refused to do that? Take another look at what Jesus did that night. Whose feet did he wash? His disciples' feet, yes, including Judas. Judas is brought to our attention in verse 2. And again in verse 10, saying that not all of them are clean. Judas is there. In verse 18, Jesus quotes a psalm from, of David saying that one has lifted his heel against him. He's, he's opposed to him. Jesus washes his betrayer's feet, knowing he is a betrayer. Knowing all that he would get from it was betrayal and death. But still he loved, still he served. And he says to his disciples, to us, in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. How might we imitate Jesus' example? Peter Hasty, who's the principal of the Presbyterian Theological College in Melbourne, he tells the story of an old man at the church that he pastored in Sydney. And every week, this man would bring a, a packet of biscuits, maybe a couple of baskets, for, for the cuppa after the service. And he would wash the toilets sometime during the week. Or he, he did this, and, and barely anyone noticed him doing it. And eventually, this man, he was an older man, this man died. And the younger crowd at the church started to wonder, why are the toilets not getting cleaned? Why are they dirty? Where are, where are those biscuits that, that we're used to getting? See, he hadn't done it to be acknowledged. He was loving the church by simple, quiet service. Now, I am so thankful for the servants that we have at this church. Men and women who get on with the job without expecting anything. You see, there's no big fanfare when you get here during the week sometime to vacuum the carpet or to clean the toilets out there. There's no applause when you play an instrument or when you pray. There's no party that we throw for our mainly music helpers. Maybe we should. People barely notice most of what the board of management does. But all these people, they, they love... The people here, they, they love the church and they want the gospel to go out from here to our community because they love the people of our community. And so let me say to you who serve here in some way, in many ways, thank you. And of course, there's plenty of room for more servants. The easiest but the most significant thing that you could do is come to church a bit early to our prayer meeting. What a way to serve the church, to pray that God would bless us as we gather. Not that that's the only thing that we pray for. There's, there's many things that we pray for that we can pray for. If you want to love like Jesus, joining the prayer meeting is just one way that you could do that. Now, at home, there's, there's plenty of ways to love like Jesus. Parents... 
when your child is being rebellious and you just want to yell back at them, you can humble yourself. Show love by not getting angry, but by calmly pointing out their sin and their need for a saviour. It doesn't feel as satisfying at the time of instead of venting your frustration at, at the moment. But, but like you do, they need to be washed clean by Jesus. They need his forgiveness, and your task as their parents is to bring them to the feet of Jesus so that Jesus can wash them. Kids, we've already said that there's plenty of ways that you can love your family. Kids, you can put your toys away after you've played with them without being asked. You can ask your parents if there's a job that you could do before you start to play. You could set the table for your family before the meal. You could love like Jesus, kids, by cleaning up your brother or sister's toys without being asked. More than anything, if you simply obeyed your parents when they gave you a task, and you do that task well, not just sort of half-heartedly, but you do that task well, you'll be loving your parents. We often get into a bit of a rut at home, don't we? We expect our husband or wife to do their role. Maybe they're the cook, they're the the cleaner, the, the transport. And we just want to, at the end of a long day, we just want to veg out in front of the TV and, and let someone else handle everything. But here's our opportunity to love like Jesus, to humble ourselves, to follow his example, to get up off the couch and help, to turn the TV off and read to the kids, to clean the kitchen because you know that that's going to be appreciated and, and then to not even mention that you did it. Seeking that, that praise. Don't, don't, don't even mention that you did it. Don't seek for that acknowledgement. Just, just love with humility. Now, we could go on forever on ideas of how we could love like Jesus. It, it could mean having that awkward conversation with someone for their good, even though it risks a relationship. It could mean telling that person that they need Jesus to wash them of their sin. We're not called to literally wash each other's feet. We're called to humble love and service. In the bedroom, it might mean being intimate even when you're tired. On the other side, it might mean not requesting intimacy because you know that your spouse is tired and stressed and and sick. It means patience. And care, putting the other person first. Not demanding your rights and your desires, but caring for them. Like Paul said, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. John wants us to know and believe Jesus is king. Are you ready to follow his example? Are you ready to love like Jesus? Let's pray that he would help us do that. Our God in heaven, we do rejoice at the love that we have been shown at the cross. We rejoice at the love that Jesus has shown us by his humble service, not only in washing the disciples' feet, but in doing what that action pointed forward to. He went to the cross. He suffered and bled for us. We thank you for him. We thank you for his love, for his service. We thank you that through that, we are washed clean. We who believe are able to receive forgiveness and cleansing. We are welcomed into your family, made your children. We delight in the love that you have shown us. And so we pray that we would love others, that we would follow the example of the Lord Jesus, that we would love like him. We pray that you give us eyes to see the opportunities to love and to serve, whether it's at home, whether it's at church, whether it's at work, with our friends. Lord, wherever we are, may our thought always be to be like Jesus. Not that this earns our place in your family, but because we know we have already been welcomed and so we are to live as followers of the Lord Jesus. We pray, our God, that the Lord Jesus would indeed wash us clean. Lord, for those here who do not know you, may they be washed head to toe. For those of us who do know him, who have known him for many years, who have known him for ten minutes. Lord, may we always submit to having our feet washed, to remember that we are reliant on him all of our days to be forgiven for each and every sin. Our God, give us a desire to live for him all our days. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.